Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Guys, an episode that I am excited about, an episode I've wanted to make happen for a while now. We've got Christian Williams from Archery Strong on the podcast today. We talk about a whole lot of things, about um, healthier draw cycles, things you can do, uh, tips to create a better draw cycle uh, that isn't going to create injury down, uh, down the road and keep you hunting longer. We talk about programs to, to work out and, and build bigger draw cycles, better draw cycles, healthier draw cycles. We talk about workout tips. We talk about everything under the sun on staying strong and healthier. That way we can enjoy archery longer guys. As always, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Scentlock. but this is a fun episode. Very informative. You know, whether you're a husband and you're trying to help your kids or your wife's build better, healthier draw cycles, or whether you're rehabbing and you want to build a bigger, better draw cycle, or, you know, whether you're right where you want to be at 74 pounds and drawing your bow, we talk a lot of things about just knowing your limits, knowing how many arrows to shoot a day, how long to shoot a day, uh, when to take a day off from shooting because we don't want to break down our draw cycles and start to cause issues. Guys, it's a phenomenally informative episode, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Guys, there's one fabric that if you're not wearing, you absolutely should be. It's a magic fabric. It changes everything about the way you layer, everything about the way you dress, everything about the way you hunt, and that is merino wool. I couldn't even begin to tell you all of the benefits of merino wool, and I'm going to miss some for sure. But guys, whether it's summer or whether it's winter, uh, this is going to keep you cool in the in the summer. It's moisture wicking. It's going to pull the moisture away from your body, but it's also going to hold your heat in the winter. It is antimicrobial. It doesn't smell. It doesn't hold scent like other fabrics does. So if you're out on a five-day hunt, you don't have access to a washer, this is not going to hold your scent. It's not going to to get stinky and nasty. Um, it's also uh, quick drying. Um, you can hang this up in your tent. You can hang it up uh, on a clothesline. It's going to dry really quick. But the coolest part about Merino, in my opinion, is that when it gets wet, it still maintains it still maintains its warmth properties. So if there's a light rain or a snow and this gets wet, it's still going to keep me warm. There's no itch. There's it's it's non-allergenic. It's an amazing an amazing fabric. Minus thirty three. I stumbled upon minus 33 by accident. I was on backcountry.com and they were having a blowout sale. I needed some new Merino for a hunt that was coming up. And so I, I dove in, I bought it. And when I got it, it was the softest, best Merino I have ever felt in my entire life. I've not worn anything but minus 33 socks for everyday life, whether I'm hunting, hiking, or just, you know, out for the day. I haven't worn anything but minus 33 socks in over a year and a half. Every single day I'm wearing their underwear. Every single time I'm out hunting, whether it's 100 or whether it's 5, I'm wearing some sort of beanie to cover up my chrome dome and to keep that covered up and warm uh, or cool Whether if it's in the summer. 
but also um, that UV protectant. I like to wear it in the summer. Um, guys, minus 33 does Merino, in my opinion, better than anybody else does it. Go check out minus 33 for all your Merino wool. And if you haven't ever tried Merino, guys, you are missing out. It will change the way you layer. It will change the way you hunt. Go check out Merino wool and go check out minus 33. All right, Christian. So before we jump into the meat of this Give us an introduction to yourself, man. Archery Strong and how it got started and where it all came from and what made you want to do it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. Thanks, Dylan. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, to introduce myself, my name is Christian Williams. I'm the owner of Archery Strong. And my mission and my goal for my business is to help archers relieve pain, prevent injury, and build strength, ultimately so that they can enjoy archery for a lifetime whether they are bow hunters, whether they're recreational archers, target shooters, uh, competitive archers. Uh, I work with archers of all kind. And I know that everybody listening and you and I, Dylan, we love archery for different reasons. And I know that it's made a huge difference in my life. And I'm sure for a lot of people here as well, it's made a difference for them. And I never want archer to be taken away from somebody because of physical issues, whether that is pain, injury, um, uh, dysfunction in their, their upper body that prevents them from shooting, whatever it might be. So I started this business a little bit over five years ago. At the time, I was uh, going to college here in Pennsylvania for exercise science. I was also working full-time uh, at a sports injury clinic just north of Pittsburgh called Next Level Spine and Sports Injury Center. And my job there was a movement and corrective exercise specialist. And essentially what that means is we would have individuals of all types come to us uh, with some sort of physical problem, whether it was pain, whether it was a uh, performance issue and something or an injury. And my job was to look at the function of, let's say, the shoulder or the hip or whatever the problem area was, and then prescribe them corrective exercises, which are specific purposeful exercises designed to cause change and uh, improvement in that individual so that they're pain-free and that they can uh, function and be active the way that they want to. So uh, I spent five years working there. And during my time there, I started Archery Strong, taking exactly what I was doing for work and then applying it to archery. Um, so that is kind of the, the birthplace place of Archery Strong, but kind of the the hunting side of it. Cause there was a big, big hunting side. I was doing that for work, but I was uh, archery hunting a ton at the same time. Um, I'll keep the story short because it's a, a story that's near and dear to my heart, but, uh, and I could go for a long time with this one. But, um, when I, as I was becoming a better bow hunter and trying to seek out as many opportunities as I could, I was actually, uh, bow hunting groundhogs here in Pennsylvania or woodchucks as some people know them for a local farmer that had a huge farm, 400 or so acres smack dab in a, a very busy growing suburban area. He refused to sell the farm, wanted to keep farming, but he had a really, really bad groundhog problem because rifle hunting was prohibited from, um, or rifle hunting was prohibited due to the, the surrounding housing developments. So he had this groundhog problem, which is very, uh, very difficult for agriculture because of uh, livestock, machinery, um, building destruction, uh, those sorts of things. So I uh, was helping him on the farm and uh, started hunting groundhogs for him. And I was doing that almost every day in the summer. I was shooting my bow 
um, every day in the summer and, and was just really deep diving into that. So I started to think, man, how could I apply what I do for work to keep myself healthy, strong, prevent problems from showing up uh, in my joints and my connective tissue, things of that sort with as much shooting and hunting as I'm doing. So I started to dabble and play with uh, applying that uh, corrective exercise strength training that realm to what I needed to be able to do in archery. And um, that is really what got the ball rolling. And it developed from there with me putting out more information, just trying to educate people on what this was, why it could be helpful for certain people. And uh, then offering programs, working with clients one-on-one. And here we are today, five, five years or a little bit more later. So how does that look now? I mean, now is it mainly putting out informational stuff and then a guy calls you and says, Hey dude, my shoulder is being torn up when I shoot. I need your help. You know I mean? Is it that type of like one-on-one like, Hey, this is the issue I'm facing. How do I fix it? Or is it more of like, you know, let's prevent this from happening long-term. Here's some things to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely both of those things. So very cool. There's, I would say probably the way to break that up is to think about as being proactive and then reactive. Proactive is kind of that injury prevention side of things where whether you're young, you're old, whether you already have problems or you don't want to have problems in the future, there's a proactive injury prevention route that you can take to maintain your joint function, to keep muscles strong and healthy, to uh, maintain the range of motion of your shoulders, your upper body, so that you're putting yourself in the best place possible to be able to shoot your bow, archery hunt, whatever it might be for not only years to come, but decades to come. It's almost like I think about it as like a subset to exercise, meaning that we know uh, tried and true that general exercise is great for heart health. It's great for maintaining your function as people get older. This is the same type of thing, but we're doing it specifically for the for the archer and for the demands the archer is going to see as a proactive route and then there's the other side which you mentioned which is what i'll call the reactive site where that's somebody who already has a problem is having pain is uh running into issues shooting their bow it's uncomfortable it, uh they're, they're struggling with with strength levels maybe whatever it might be so uh, my job is to work with that individual, identify what the problems are, what their needs are, and then uh, one-on-one I prescribe them per- a specific corrective exercise and strength training to fix the problem and get them to a better place. Well, and I'll tell you what, you know, kind of spurred this in me. Uh, we logged on and both learned that uh, we have a shared love for um, Tom Clum, and we've spent time mm-hmm. with Tom Clum together and um that's what kind of spurred this in me because every time you talk to tom every time you shoot with tom he's like hey make sure and you know don't do this or or start your draw cycle by this uh or you're going to cause yourself issues down the road and you're like yeah really like and so over time like the more and more tom would say that to me i'm like and there's a lot of things that you've mentioned that can hurt a guy from shooting his bow mm-hmm. And that's why there's so many guys, you know, who are not even that old in their in their mm-hmm. late fifties or early sixties, and they can't shoot a bow anymore. And that's right. just I can't imagine having to stop bow hunting at age fifty. Yeah. Um absolutely. And so my one of my other uh traditional archery mentors, his name is Harv Ebers. Um, just a, an absolute legendary bow hunter was one of the founding members of Pope and young, uh, mm-hmm. personal friends with Fred bear. I mean, just a incredible guy. 
And I remember the first time I ever met him, I said, so do you still get to hunt? Cause he's, he's in his eighties. Mm-hmm. I said, do you still get to bow hunt? And he said, shot a doe last night. And I was <laughs> like, all right, well awesome. then. And I asked him, I said, so Harv, I said, what do you equate your being able to, to bow hunt? And, and we're not talking crossbows. We're talking vertical bow, draw it himself, shoot, shoot, a, shoot a bow. I said, what do you equate that to being able to do in your eighties? And he said, well, I still strength train every single day. That's in my cool. 80s, That's I awesome. still lift weights every day. And That's so awesome. all of these things, meeting with Tom and meeting Harv, they kind of just piled up. And I'm like, dude, I, I need to do more to take care of myself for the long haul. Now, I, I lift weights a lot, but I don't do anything archery specific. Or mm-hmm. I did. I wasn't doing anything archery specific. In fact, I was probably doing it the opposite because I really got into like powerlifting for a long sure, time. Sure. Which, um, so walk me through kind of the number one things that you see that are going to hurt a guy, um, you know, things that people can do to prevent the number one issues of, of pain, whether that's, you know, letting the shoulder come up at a draw cycle in your draw cycle, whatever it might be. Uh, but what's the number one thing that you see that's going to cause damage and how can they prevent it? Yeah, that list is, is definitely a long list and I'll try to highlight the main main factors there, uh, because they're, you know, as you know, and as we know, everybody's an individual and everybody's got a little bit of a different story when it comes to their physical condition and their physical ability. So, uh, I, I would not say that there's one main thing. Um, but for that list of factors, uh, the first one I think builds off of, well, what you said about working with Tom Clum, and that is utilizing a form that's going to be structurally and mechanically sound, meaning that you're looking at all those different pieces of your draw cycle. You're looking at the pieces of your uh, bow arm shoulder and your, your bow shoulder position. You're looking at the position of your torso and those mechanics. And Uh, there's a lot of really good information out there. There's a lot of really good coaches. I've talked and worked with, um, Tom Clum in regards to traditional archery. Uh, Linda Beck is a a very well-respected and excellent, uh, coach as well with USA archery. And I work with her and a lot of her archers and the form and the technique, just like whether it's weightlifting or running or sports, your form and technique can make you or it can break you, right? So that's that's one of the most important pieces, absolutely. Uh, another important factor would be working within your limits when it comes to arrow volume and draw weight. And what I mean by that is, again, everybody's different. Some people can handle a 75-pound compound or a 55-pound traditional bow. Other people are going to need to be much lighter. Some people can shoot every day and they can shoot high volume of arrows. Other people need to stay lower in their arrow volume, depending on what they can handle. Uh, this can be applied to other contexts, just like uh, when you look at runners, for instance, some people will run uh, shorter distances because that's what fits them and that's what's going to um, work for their body. Other people really push the limits with the distance of their running or weightlifting or whatever it might be. So working within the limits are very important there. Another piece that I would or another factor that I would add to this list is preserving or improving the function of the shoulder girdle. And when I say shoulder girdle, we're talking about shoulder joint, the upper back with the scapulas involved in the shoulder, uh, down into the upper extremity. So basically the, the, the main working parts of the archer. 
and that's pres again preserving and improving the function because what's important to remember and a lot of people don't necessarily realize this is a lot of people are either coming into archery with existing shoulder problems or dysfunction or uh, they develop shoulder problems, pain, dysfunction somewhere else in life, and then they're shooting on top of it. So when people will think about pain and injury in archery, they say, well, you know, I've got good form and I, um, you know, I don't shoot too heavy of a poundage and uh, all those things are great. But let's say you have an old injury from work or an old injury from sports or from lifting weights or whatever it might be. Archery is, uh, can be, can be, uh, effective in a bad sense at highlighting or, uh, letting you know about that injury, right? Someone comes in from an, with an old work injury, they shoot their bow and they feel that. Well, archery didn't cause that, but they, they still have it and it's going to affect archery. So in that case, we need to, again, improve the function of the upper body, the shoulder joints, uh, in the surrounding areas and set them up in the best position possible because the best way to probably think about this is uh, you can think about the joints, the connective tissue, all these working parts in the upper body that we use to shoot archery. Think of the, about them as your bow. Uh, and, and let's use a compound bow as the example, meaning that if your compound bow has old strings and cables and um, you know maybe one of the, the the cams are really off, off in their timing, or maybe there's even, you know, some delamin delaminate delamination that's going on in the, the limb of the bow, right? You can immediately start to see, yeah, that's, that bow's not going to function well. It might even start to cause problems. Maybe the rest is old and it's, it's too tight and it doesn't work properly. Same, same thing occurs with, uh, the, again, the upper body components, the joints, et cetera. So, that piece is a lot of what I focus on and help archers with because you can have an archer that has dysfunction in their, their upper body, pain problems in their joints, and it doesn't matter if they shoot light poundage. It doesn't matter if they shoot conservatively with their arrow volume. Uh, we have to take into account that those working parts need to be, uh, need to be functioning correctly. So those are, are, in a general overall view, those are three really big ones, the form and the technique, the working within your limits as far as draw weight, arrow volume, shooting frequency, and then uh, maintaining or improving the function of the upper body's working parts. So where is the happy medium of draw weight and shooting capacity? Because I mean, if I shoot, you know, say a 40 pound recurve, sure, I could shoot 120 arrows. Whereas mm -hmm. if I bump it up to 50, maybe I can only shoot 50 a day, you know, sure. before you start breaking down. Um, and by breaking down, I mean, sure. And, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong because you're the doctor here, but I don't want to get to the point where something hurts before I go, Oh, I should probably quit shooting yeah, for the day. Right. Right. But when things start getting sloppy, I mean, you can feel yourself starting to shoot bad. You just mm -hmm. have Absolutely. to know. And it's hard because I love to shoot, man. I'll shoot a hundred arrows a day, every day. But you have to know, man, I'm starting to break down. Like, yeah. I, and I'm getting to the point where I, I'm not shooting good anymore. Absolutely. Um, so where is that happy medium, though? I mean, if I obviously if I shoot a 20 pound bow, I can shoot as much as I want all day long. Mm -hmm. um, but where is that? You know, what are you looking for in that? I mean, obviously, it's got to be legal hunting weight if you're going to hunt with that weight. Sure. But where is that that medium for you? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll start off by saying there's definitely no one size fits all because there's going to be a, a happy place for draw weights, 
that's different for almost everybody. And then we stack arrow volume on top of that. That's going to fluctuate shooting frequency. So I know it's nice to be able to give that like, oh, you want to be here with this poundage with this amount of arrow volume. Um, But I just can't give that answer because it does it does change so much. However, I can can definitely offer some thoughts that kind of fit into that. And I will, will start by mentioning a great thing that you said. I think you said something along the lines of you just have to know. And what I would label that as is awareness, awareness of how your body feels during shooting. Are are you breaking down? Are you getting sore? Are you starting to feel achy? And then after shooting as well, later that night, the next day, the two days after, uh, just being aware of what you feel in your body and making adjustments or decisions based on that. So, and it sounds simple, but there are so many people that I talk to or work with where I say, you know, hey, uh, you know, when did your shoulder start hurting? Well, I don't know. Say, okay, you know, uh, what changes have you made, or what has your shooting looked like? Right? How how many arrows have you been shooting? How often you've been shooting? Well, I don't really know. Uh, and when you when someone doesn't have that awareness of what they're feeling. They're just kind of making decisions on the whim of on a whim of how much draw weight to shoot, how many arrows to shoot, how often to shoot. So the first and probably most important key is that awareness, because nothing else I'm going to say following this works very well if you don't have awareness of, okay, did I feel good shooting? Yeah. Did I have any soreness, aches, pains, tightness during shooting, after shooting? When you can identify that, then you can make the decisions to guide yourself into that exact sweet spot or happy place that you're talking about, where since it is so individual, and this is, I, I help archers with this if they're working with me, but people can do this on their own too. You take that information, say, you know what, I am getting really sore. You know, I, I feel like my, my shoulders are starting to feel beat up. Let me look at my draw weight, my arrow volume, my shooting frequency, and let me, let me decrease. Like maybe let, let's, uh, drop the draw weight a little bit. Maybe let's take out a day of shooting and shoot four days a week instead of six days a week or five days a week. Maybe instead of shooting 50 arrows, just because that sounds like a great number to shoot, maybe I'll just stick to 25 or 30. Uh, or oppositely, you know, somebody who's feeling really good shooting very well, they say, might say, hey, I'm feeling good uh, based on everything in, in my upper body. I'm not having any problems. Maybe I can increase my arrow uh, volume. Maybe I can increase my draw weight. So it really comes down to, again, being aware of what you feel, taking mental notes. Uh, you know, people can even keep a journal too. Uh, I do that for myself when I start to have any soreness or flare ups really anywhere regarding shooting or training in general. Um, but you can just use mental notes. And that helps guide you in those decisions uh, for you to make from there. And then you can manipulate those variables of draw weight, arrow volume, and shooting frequency so that you're, again, working within the limits of what your body can handle. Because, you know, you'll see a lot out there that people will ask, how many arrows should I shoot per day? Or what draw weight should I shoot? Or how many days per week can I shoot? And there's just no no tried and uh, tried and true answer. A couple of general guidelines I like to give people to avoid issues. Uh, the first is um, to to always have at least or to to try to keep one rest day from shooting per week. Um, there are very few things physically that are necessary to do every day or even 
beneficial to do every day. And typically it's helpful just in the long run uh, to to lay off the bow once a week. Uh, I know there's people out there that love to shoot every day and some people can, can do okay with that. And, and, you know, if people do, I, I, you know, wouldn't tell them that they're going to have a problem or that they will develop a problem. But, um, typically it's a good idea to give some of these structures of rest. And this is where I'll say, and this is a really important thing for people to know. And I just posted a, I guess it's a meme or a picture about it two days ago, I think. And that is, it's not that your muscles can't handle shooting every day, or it's not that your muscles can't necessarily handle a draw weight. Typically, it is the smaller structures, your tendons, your uh, other connective tissue, your joint structures, these smaller, what I call like the nuts and bolts of the shoulder, those are what breaks, breaks down first. Um, the big muscles can typically handle and do okay, you know, if you're a little bit higher in draw weight than you should be, you're shooting a little bit more arrow volume than you should be. But uh, it's those smaller structures that can can get overwhelmed. And that's really what we're what we're thinking about here. The other uh, general guideline I like to give people is you should have you should have kind of a general range of how many arrows you shoot, you know, whether it's oh, I shoot 30 to 50 arrows most sessions, or I shoot 10 to 20 arrows or shoot 80 to 100. You have kind of like a general range. Uh, and I recommend that people try to avoid shooting more than double that on certain days, meaning that uh, let's say somebody, uh, they typically shoot between 30 and 50 arrows. Try to avoid shooting 100 arrows on or more on a day where perhaps you get carried away or you have extra time or you're tuning your bow or you're shooting with friends uh, because those big spikes in arrow volume can really be problematic in either triggering some overuse issues or starting uh, starting some some minor issues on the path of becoming more more problematic. So uh, the the general idea there is avoid really big arrow spikes because those are often uh, or that's often the time that problems will show up. And then maybe the last thing on this note that I'll mention is um, if you've had more than uh, typically a month of shooting off, uh, I recommend starting a little bit lighter and then building back up. Uh, because when you take time off of shooting a month, two months, more, more than that, these structures that I just mentioned, they tend to decondition, right? Where they're no longer used to the shooting that you were doing. They're no longer used to the uh, arrow volume and the frequency you were shooting. So a lot of guys, especially this time of year too, this is good timing for this, they say, well, hey, last year when I was practicing for archery season, I'd shoot 50 arrows a day. Well, if you haven't shot for a couple months, you haven't shot since last archery season, um, you, you, you will serve yourself best by not trying to jump right back into that arrow volume and even sometimes draw weight too. That's actually what I have back behind me is from an old uh, YouTube video that I posted about. Start light, build back up. You can still shoot pretty frequently, but start, start low reintroduce those unique stresses and uh, loads to the upper body, the structures, the joints, and let them adapt. Give them time to adapt to, again, these unique stresses and loads because you're not seeing them uh, in other places. So uh, that is another important thing kind of in this realm that we're talking about. On those big arrow spikes, it's almost like a downward spiral, not only with your health, but, yeah. you know, with your your mental capacity to to 
to be able to look at what's going wrong. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I have a buddy over and, you know, if we're having a cookout night and we've got the fire going and we're shooting, you know, 200 arrows, well, my shot starts breaking down. You know, I if we're talking recurves, I might start shooting on the creep or I might start even overextending because I'm getting tired enough. Like I got to pull through it more, whatever. Absolutely. And your shot starts breaking down. You start shooting bad. So then you're chasing, trying to figure out why am I shooting bad? When in all reality, you just need to stop because you're just tired. Exactly. Or or I used to be the king of this. I would shoot too much with my compound and I would start getting tired. So I would start dropping my bow arm and I'm like, dude, my stinking sights are low. How'd that happen? (laughs) Yeah. So I'd adjust things. Yeah. (laughs) So you start adjusting your sights and then the next day you come back and you're like, how the heck am I high again? Yeah, like, exactly. And then Ugh, you're like, it's just there. a downward spiral or, uh, you know, or like you said, something starts hurting and you're like, man, I need to start rolling my shoulder over more. So that quits hurting. Well, no, you just need to take a break. Like you've shot sure. too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but here's, Very well I'll said. tell you what, I'll tell you what I really like about you. Most every quote unquote influencer or informational guy or whatever they're putting out tips on how to become accurate and that's all they put tips out on, whether it's tips about your gear or tips about your draw cycle or tips about these things, but they never give the tips on how to stay healthy. Sure. And ultimately if you don't stay healthy, you can't be accurate. I mean, if I, if my shoulders get banged up in 10 years, I might've developed incredible accuracy, but if my shoulders are so banged up that, you know, I'm not very accurate anymore. And so I really like that you're teaching archery for the longevity of it because it's going to create more accuracy for the long haul for the, for the long term. because I, dude, I don't know what I would do if I had to be done hunting at 55 Mm -hmm. or if I had to switch to a crossbow or a rifle, I don't know what would happen. Um, so I I really, kudos to you, man. Um, I also yeah, want to say I appreciate that. kudos to you because I'm a preacher of like, find what you're passionate about and do that. You know, mm-hmm. so many guys are like, Dylan, how can I, how can I make it in the industry? How can I, you know, I want to start a YouTube or I want to do this. I want to do that. Find what you're passionate about and chase after it. Because if yeah. you're not passionate about it, you're not going to do it very long. You're not going right. to put out the best content. You're not going to, you're going to burn out on it. You're going to not mm-hmm. be authentic in it. And so, I like that you found not only a niche in the industry that needed to be filled, but obviously you were passionate about it. And so, man, again, kudos to you, bro. I I appreciate what you do. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I I appreciate the encouragement and and the kind words. I wanted to uh, touch on both of what you said. And as far as uh, you had mentioned, you know, I, I don't touch too much on accuracy and, um, you know, that that's largely because it's not necessarily my wheelhouse, right? Where uh, there's a lot of really good, accurate archers out there. Uh, and there's a lot of information on that. And I let, you know, I let the people who are really solid in that area speak to that. I'm still learning. I'm still improving as an archer. I'm still becoming better. I'm not a world-class archer. So, um, you know, it's not not necessarily my realm. And then my focus on my focus on the longevity of archery comes from kind of that second point that you mentioned in that it's it's what i'm passionate about because you just said it perfectly 
Like, man, if I had to put my bow down tomorrow or in 10 years or in 20 years, 30 years, I don't know what I would do. Um, you know, it's such a big part of my life. It's a way that my family and I, uh, um, obtain most of our red meat through, through whitetail hunting that I do through archery hunting. Uh, it's something I look forward to every year. It's something that encourages me to get outside, to stay active, to stay physically healthy. And, um, and there's just so many awesome experiences to enjoy in archery that I never want that to go away for myself. And I don't want that to go away for other people too. And that, that is the mission. And, um, you know, there, there will always be, you know, new sites out there that come out or new bows, or, you know, someone comes up with something that maybe helps you shoot a little bit more accurate. And those things are great. You know, people use those and they enjoy them. Um, but when I'm looking at archery as a whole, for me, and I know a lot of people listening, uh, you know, it's a big, big part of our lives. And as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, there's unfortunately a lot of things that are kind of pushing against hunting, you know, as whether it's lack of access or difficult, difficulty getting permission or perhaps the cost of equipment for some people, uh, or, you know, s- starting to see a little bit of changes in seasons and animals that, that certain people don't want to be hunted and all these different things. There's already enough things that, um, that want to limit us in hunting on top of just being busy, right? Just, just being people trying to make a living and trying to spend time with our families that this is one area, this, this health and longevity area, it takes work, but it is the one area that we have a lot of control over. You know, I can't always do a whole lot uh, when legislation comes up to change, change certain seasons, or, you know, I can't necessarily do a whole lot when, you know, the, the landowners around me don't want to let me hunt. There's, there's just not much I can do there, but I can do something, uh, with, with my health and maintaining my ability to shoot a bow and feel good shooting a bow. Well, so not that's, that, that's but one thing that Tom said, and I'll never forget this a day in my life. Now I, I've told everybody I've ever helped coach shooting or get started in archery. I've told them this, don't worry about downrange. Like, don't worry about how your arrows are stacking. Because there's so much down there that you can't control. Like, mm-hmm. if you're talking hunting, you can't control if the deer jumps, ducks, runs, sure. moves, spins. You can't control anything that happens down there. You can't control how windy it is. However, I can control everything about what my body does when I'm drawing, when I'm moving, sure. when I'm anchoring, when I'm pulling through my shot. I can control all of that. Sure. So rather than focusing so much on accuracy and, and how I'm grouping or how I'm stacking them in there or how I... If I focus on what I'm doing, that will come like that. Mm-hmm. That will happen. Definitely. But Definitely. I can control everything that I do, but there's so much down there that I can't control. So mm-hmm. work on you and that downrange, that'll come. That'll happen. Naturally and I, man, when you focus so much on you. Yeah. And Dylan, I'd say that's, that's a life lesson, man. You know, uh, it's, it's so easy to look, look downrange, look around you and think like that should t- change. This should change. And I'm learning this lesson now, but it's a lot of time. It's like, what can I change? What can I do better? Yeah. Um, that's right. and that's, uh, it's, it's humbling. It's tough. It takes work. It's not always fun, but I think the, the thing that supports all of it is that big why that, that why underneath, you know, why do you want this? Why do you want to do this? Why is this important? Why does this matter? And, uh, we all have a different answer to that question and those questions. And we all have a different, uh, story that lines up with that. But, um, 
it's a, it's a worthwhile pursuit. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I, uh, it, it almost seems to me, I was talking to somebody yesterday. It almost seems to me like there's even on days where maybe I'm not as enthusiastic about it, or I'm not as driven, uh, about it. There's just something that pulls, pulls on me. And there's just some, something, something there that just, uh, knows that that's what I want to do. That's what I should be doing. That's what people have done for uh, all of history when it comes to, to archery and hunting. So, um, it's again, it's a worthwhile pursuit. Absolutely. Guys, I don't need to tell you about the blazer vein. You're probably familiar with the blazer vein and you're probably familiar with boning. Boning has been around forever. It's a name you can trust. They sell products you can trust. They have everything that you need to build your own arrows, all of the jigs, to, to fletch your own arrows, all of the veins, all of the wraps, to countless, numerous types of veins and wraps to build any kind of configuration you want. They also have some really cool Fredbear branded products with their Fredbear camo wraps and their Fredbear flannel wraps. Something that's really cool about that Fredbear flannel, that's actually a photo that was taken of one of Fredbear's flannel uh, famous shirts, you know, the red and gray and black that he always wore. That's actually a photo taken of his personal shirt and put on a wrap. It looks really cool, especially on some traditional arrows. But my very favorite configuration, and this is coming from an arrow junkie that's tried out all different kind of veins and all different kind of configurations. I have found that this configuration stabilizes pretty much every arrow. It's whisper quiet. They fly fantastic. The three-inch Bronco vein in a four-fletch absolutely flies like a dart, whether you're shooting mechanicals or big fixed this is going to be a fletching configuration that will work again whisper quiet long range accuracy i love this configuration this is on every single one of my compound arrows they just work guys i would highly encourage you to check out boning not just for the blazer vein but for the heat vein for the broncos for the x veins everything um that you need to build your own arrows is right there on boning's website they've been around for ages and i promise you if you order from them you're going to get products that you can trust. So I took, uh, last year I took national champion strongman Joey Zatmary on a, on a hunt. And we were working out before we went to leave to go on the hunt. And he has a big YouTube channel. So he was videoing our workout and he said, cool. uh, he puts the camera on me. He says, so why do you work out? And I said, well, that's easy because I want to hunt like that's, mm. that's, that's a no brainer for me. I work out because I want to be more successful on the mountains, in the woods. I want to be able to draw more bow weight and hold it more effectively and more stable. And um, that's why I work out. So for the guy who wants to be healthier for the long haul, for archery specifically, obviously I want to work out because I want to live a long life too. Sure. But for the guy who wants to be able to shoot their bow into their eighties, what are some workout tips that they should start implementing? That's a great question. And there's certainly a lot of pieces that go into this. Um, and, and I'll start off with that because, you know, to, to do a talk or to answer a question like that, uh, fully, you know, there's, it would take a lot of things, but to narrow this down for people or for things that people can apply, there's really five big, components that you're looking to address when it comes to feeling strong, feeling comfortable with your shooting, feeling smooth with your shooting, uh, feeling capable and ultimately pain-free. The first is strength. And 
when I say strength, I do not mean that you need to be able to bench press a ton of weight or deadlift a ton of weight or, uh, you know, do, do a hundred pull-ups or anything of that sort. What I mean by that is that archery is all about repetitive load and repetitive use of strength, right? Shot, shot after shot, arrow after arrow when we practice. So having a bigger base, a bigger foundation of shooting, or I'm sorry, a bigger foundation of strength is, is like your fuel or your horsepower that allows you to repeatedly draw and execute that shot. Now, good form and good technique decreases the amount of, uh, you know, pure strength that somebody has to have, but at its core level, the ability to, to pull a bow, whether it's 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 70 pounds, it's labeled in pounds because it's resistance and resistance is overcome using strength. So, uh, your, your in strength, you know, building strength and training for strength is broad and it's, uh, got a lot of pieces to it, but we're looking at well-rounded strength in the different muscle groups of the upper body, different ranges of motion, uh, in the upper body, different movement patterns of the upper body. I really like to focus on pushes. So your different pushing or pressing variations, your different pulling variations at different angles, whether it's vertical, horizontal, those are really your two, two big ones. Um, I'm a huge fan when it comes to archers of weighted carries and weighted holds because archery, especially traditional archery and, and compound archery too, is time under tension, drawing, holding, executing. So weighted carries, weighted holds in different positions are a great way to spend time under tension, which builds strength without a lot of beating up your joints, wear and tear, without a lot of uh, repetitive bending bending uh, and extending joints. So that's a big one. And then core strength too. Think about that as the, the chassis or the frame of a truck, right? It needs to be strong, solid. Uh, that's going to serve well for everything that's built up on top of that. So well-rounded strength for the upper body. And there's so many different tools I use for that, use for archers when it comes to that. But um, those are some of the big ones. So I said strength, then stability. Instability um, can mean a couple different things, but in this context, uh, when I say stability, I'm talking about the your joints, primarily your, your shoulder blade, your your um, your ball and socket in your shoulder, and the joints of the upper body. Their ability to hold stable, solid, braced, and protected. So it's like if you picture uh, pixel the axle in your truck again. We'll use that in the example, or maybe the the uh, the cams on a bow, right? You don't want those cams to be loose. They need to be solid. They need to be braced so that they can stay in the one spot that they need to and then rotate. So stability is really important. So we, or I will use a lot of different, um, and this is where the corrective exercise piece comes in, more of those addressing those deeper internal muscles where, like I said, the nuts and bolts were getting those to be stronger, stable, the rotator cuff, the deep shoulder blade muscles and the musculature around uh, those areas are going to be really important as well. So we said strength, stability. Next would be mobility. And that's a really big one. And that's the range of motion of the joint. Not only does the joint need to have adequate movement, flexibility, but that joint, we need to be in control of that joint too. So uh, as we shoot a bow and as we move through these ranges of motion, they should be free without restriction but we need to be in control there. And that's kind of where that stability piece comes in and links up with mobility, where we don't just want flexible without stability because that's loose and unprotected. 
and unstable. We don't just want stability with poor flexibility, no range of motion, because that's restricted and that's tight and that gets uh, kind of grindy and, and locked up. But we want both of those. We said strength, stability, mobility. Another one is stamina. And stamina is kind of probably an easy way to think about it is that's more of your strength endurance where I can apply my strength multiple times rep after rep. So a lot of times for stamina type work, we're either doing a little bit higher rep, lighter weight work with these different, uh, different exercises, whether it's push, pull, raises, holds, whatever it might be, higher reps, uh, or we're spending the time under tension. Uh, like I mentioned a little bit ago where we're requiring that musculature and that strength to work for a period of time so that it builds the, the stamina or the, the endurance of the strength you have. And then the last piece, and this one can be a little bit foreign for people, but it ties in nicely to the rest of this, and that is control. So when we think about like keeping the bow shoulder set down into our back pocket, keep that in a solid position. And when we think about back tension and our ability to move that shoulder blade towards the spine, engage the musculature of the back, that's all control. And that's not a given. I can't tell you how many dozens, hundreds of, of people I've worked with uh, in the past 10 years that just moving their shoulder blade individually and, and manipulating and controlling the position of their shoulders is impossible for them because they don't have the control. Uh, a lot of times coaches or, or people trying to improve their technique will just assume, hey, uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I, I can do it or I've got to I've got to figure out how to do it. There's a prerequisite amount of control in how to position a shoulder, how to move a shoulder. Um, if you're watching on video right now, and you can even try it as you're sitting and listening, can you elevate your shoulder? Can you depress it? Can you retract that shoulder blade back? Can you protract it forward? Uh, can you tuck that shoulder blade tight into your rib cage? Can you set it down into your back pocket uh, and squeeze it into your spine? That's all control of the shoulder blade and the shoulder joint. And that comes into exercise uh, because every every exercise, every movement you do in the gym, sh you should have some intentional focus on how you're moving and how you're positioning, right? It's not just, hey, pick up a weight and raise it. There should be more than that and because that's a fantastic opportunity to develop better control and then better awareness too of, of how you're moving your body, how you're positioning. So when you have those opportunities and you have that focus in, in your weightlifting and your exercise that you're doing, that same concept is going to transfer transfers wonderfully to shooting. If somebody can position their shoulder blades when they're doing different rowing or pulling variations, they're much better off uh, when they go to draw their bow because they know how to engage the back. They know how to move that shoulder blade to get into that back dominant draw, that back uh, back tension uh, like position. So that fifth component is uh, control. So I laid out kind of the five component, big components that I uh, focus in on and tried to layer in there some different kind of general tools, general exercise types at least. And um, there's certainly, like I said, more, more that goes into that, but hopefully that paints a, a decent picture at least to get a, a decent grasp of that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I will say, I've been through my my fair share of I want to learn how to do this. I want to be as strong as humanly possible. I want to be as fit as humanly possible. Sure. I've been through those stages. Um, Me too. 
and now it's kind of at the point where it's like that I just want to hunt forever. Um, so, you know, more of like focusing on, you know, less of, all right, let's crush a five, three, one workout where we're going to end up deadlifting right. 400 pounds as many times as we can or whatever. I mean, let's focus sure. on longevity for hunting. So if somebody says, you know, Dylan, I don't care to be the next Cameron Haynes. I don't care to be the next Arnold. I don't care to be the next. I just want to hunt for a really long time. Yeah. What are the rep ranges and workout structure that you might, and I'm not asking you to give all your secrets because sure. you, you obviously want to sell your programs, but uh, what are the kind of structures that you would give them four days a week, five days a week, push, pull legs, 12 to 15 reps, you know, what, what kind of structure would you give them there? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll answer this. I'll answer this in uh, kind of the same fashion where I'll try to be specific in some areas, but give a general overview because there's, you know, there's not necessarily just one right path, but for what I like and for what I found successful for working with hundreds of different clients is, uh, personally, I like the split of a three day split. I like a, a lower body day, which is going to be your squat, lunge, hinge, uh, types of movements, a, a lower body focused day. Sometimes, if people can sled pushes, rucks, things of that sort. So lower body day, second day is a uh, push pull day. So kind of think about that as your, your upper body day, that push pull as a primary focus, and then maybe some uh, accessory stuff on top of that. And then the third day is a core and carry day. So addressing the core and then those weighted loaded carries, because those loaded carries are so so applicable to life, to hunting, to just overall general wellness and fitness for a variety of reasons. I posted a video last week, I think about 13 reasons why to, to do a farmer's carry, which is just holding weights, heavy weights, moderate weights at your side and walking. And it's everything from, uh, it's the best workout ever is what it yeah, is. it's everything from core involvement to leg strength. You get a cardio response. If you go long enough, hard enough, uh, grip you strength. Get, yeah, you get grip strength, you get just just about everything there. And again, it it doesn't get much more applicable to life. I don't like the word functional because Bingo. that's been that's been destroyed by the fitness industry. But I think about okay, what do what do I do most often in life? What do people do most often in life? Well, a lot of times they carry stuff. Uh, if I Groceries. even think of. I think about my day already today. Uh, I carried a, a two two steel. Uh, two big steel buckets of chicken feed uh, out to my mobile chicken coop today. I uh, helped my wife carry some bags to her car. Later on, I'm going to go get a couple gallons of milk from my local dairy farm. Uh, I'm going to carry, you know, uh, it's just, it's so applicable and it's, it's so, so, um, so useful in life. So like I said, lower body push pull with some uh, extra upper body stuff and then the core and carry day. Uh, Intermixed with that, it's absolutely important to have some sort of uh, cardiorespiratory exercise. So um, th that's for your heart health. That's for your overall well-being. Uh, personally, I really like uh, pushing a sled and uh, rucking, rucking with weight on my backpack. Backpack that's super super applicable for um, hunting and then life too. You know, if you're carrying a baby on your back or whatever you might be doing. Um, but some sort of, of cardiorespiratory fitness is uh, very important too. And that sometimes all, you know, those can be done on separate days. Sometimes it can be uh, 
sprinkled in as a fourth day or um, there's a variety of ways to include that too. But personally, the that's the the path that I like and I recommend to people and I use with most people. And I really like to follow along those same lines of what I mentioned um, a mi- minute ago is what's going to be most applicable to, to my life. Cause like you just said, I want to be, able, you said, I want to be able to hunt forever. And that's my goal. That's my goal too. And you added this and I'll add this too, where, you know, I want to be able to play with my kids until, you know, I'm old and grandkids and I want to be able to do, do my chores outside. And I want to be able to uh, enjoy all the adventures life has to offer. So I asked myself, okay, what, what is going to best serve that goal? Well, like you said, do I, right now, do I need to deadlift 400 pounds? I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. Just for me, it just doesn't really quite make sense. Do I need to do a hundred reps of a bench press? No. Um, to me, I rather do, uh, some other things that are going to, to support longevity a little bit better and and overall function a little bit better. So I'm looking at, um, working with moderate weight most of the time, uh, moderate rep rep ranges at this point. And there's always, this is always subject to change at this point with this goal for myself. And I would recommend to other people, I'm not getting super low, uh, super low in rep ranges and I'm not getting super heavy. And I'm also not getting incredibly excessive with repetitions as well and going, you know, you'll see sometimes people will say like, Oh, I'm doing lightweight for 500 reps. And, um, is that bad? Uh, not necessarily. Is that going to support? Is that sustainable? Right? Is that going to support you for, uh, for decades to come? Um, I think there are better options out there. And that's kind of what I'm my focus is. And that's uh, what I'm, I'm laying out here. Yeah. And that's so I'm actually kind of happy because that's a lot of what I'm doing. So I'm like, yeah, that's good. Um, so basically how my week looks and, and, you know, if you want to mimic this, you certainly can. If, if not call Christian, he'll get you a real program, but, um, I work out six days a week, um, Mm -hmm. lift weight six days a week. So I've got a push day, a pull day, a leg day, a push day, a pull day, a leg day. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm similar. And just to, just to clarify, when I say three day split, that doesn't mean working out three days a week. Typically I'll work out. Correct. Uh, typically I'll, I'll, I'll train ballpark five days a week and your body doesn't know that it's a week time frame, Right. So I just keep cycling through those, those days that I listed out. Right. And it, it will end up uh, similar to what you're talking about. So go ahead. I just want to clarify that. No, you're fine. Um, so like on my first push day, it's a heavy, heavier, like you said, I'm not going as heavy as I possibly can. Heavier vertical push, meaning military press or nice. overhead press, whatever. Uh, lighter horizontal push. So I would do heavier nice. vertical push with lighter, higher reps, horizontal push. Um, and then vice versa on the other push day. Um, and then nice. leg day would be, you know, one leg day is heavier squats with um, lighter, higher hypertrophy of of hinge. And then vice versa, nice. heavier, you know, on hypertrophy or heavier on deadlift and hinges, lighter on squats. Um, so that's kind of what I do. And then in the mornings, I do, you know, you said carry and, and core. I call it cardio and core um, because sometimes I'm just walking. You know, I just I just don't feel I don't feel like doing a heavy, not a heavy 
a hard hit workout or sure. something. So I just go on a 30 minute walk. That's um, awesome. But you know, That's great. two or That's three great. days a week, I try to do more. I call it my strongman training, but more of my carries and more of my, uh, sled pushes and, and pulls and you know, whatever. Um, so that's kind of when I implement your, like what you said, farmer carries and and those types of things. So that's kind of what I do. And I'm also bingo. What you just said, your body doesn't know it's a week. You don't have to say, Oh, it's Monday, (laughs) dude. I got to do my, I'm supposed to do legs or whatever. I got to do chest. Well, yeah, no, because yeah. my sixth day is on Saturday. A lot of times I don't get to work out on Saturday just because life is life. busy. So rather than skipping that, you know, that would be a leg day for me. Rather than skipping that leg day, I'm going to do it on Monday and then I'll be a day late on everything else. It's fine, right. guys. Um, right. Absolutely. Be, but I think the biggest thing with all of this is listening to your body. Um, yeah, listening to... And, and that, that becomes very difficult, I think. And that comes with maturity because, you know, when you're 20, it's like, dude, it, oh, I'm about to go crush a heavy leg day. I don't feel great, but dude, we'll get through it. Yeah. But now it, it, you have to say, man, you know, I'm not feeling great today. So rather than trying to crush a heavy leg day, you know, why don't we just do some carries and work on mobility work and, and yeah. stretch or get in the sauna. Uh, or just you know, take a day and, off too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Take a day off. Now you did mention one thing, which I'll be honest, I suck at doing. Um, I've tried to stay consistent in it and then it's like, did I haven't done it in seven months? But anyways, stretching because you mentioned mobility. So are you a big proponent of, of hunters stretching? Uh, this might surprise some people and some people might, might, might not like this answer, but my answer is, is I'm not a big proponent. Um, I do some stretching with my archers. I think some stretching is valuable, uh, for the whole body and for uh, archery, the upper body is, is the big one there. However, um, I have worked with enough people. I've talked with enough, uh, uh, medical professionals and different people in that field that the, the dividends or the payoff that you get from mobility work uh, can be very difficult. And what I mean by that is uh, in the, in a lot of the research shows this too, where uh, you know, even with some really dedicated stretching mobility type work uh, in a lot of it, the changes are not, not significant. So here's where we have to look at this as a whole. I, I go back to thinking about, okay, life is super busy. What is going to give me the, what are the top priorities? And to me, maintaining heart health through cardiovascular exercise in maintaining, um, maintaining strength levels, especially as people age are going to take if I'm livid on my time, those are going to take more of a priority. If you have the extra time, definitely some stretching and some, some mobility work is valuable. There are benefits. It is important. Um, but when I'm thinking about it, when I, when I take my average clients or the average individual I see out there, most of them between their job, their life, their kids, whatever it might be, they, they, they may only have a half hour to dedicate to fitness. Well, I don't want them stretching for for 15, half, 15 minutes, half of that time. Um, because if we look at the recommendations from, from different health organizations, heart health is, is 
going to be more important. It's a bigger uh, predictor of uh, disease and, and early death. Um, strength training and strength levels are the reason why most people become uh, incapable of taking taking care of themselves at certain points, or they can't continue doing things like hunting, climbing mountains, climbing tree stands. So, if we're listing this in priorities, I'm looking at that that heart health through cardiovascular exercise, and then um, the strength training as priorities. And here's the other huge kicker, and this is super important. When people think about stretching, they often think about right, touch your toes or sit in a straddle, things like that. There are ways to mix that in to your to your 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 actual exercise, whether it's cardiovascular or strength training. Meaning that if I'm doing some really quality squats, or I'm doing some really quality rear foot elevated split squats, or uh, Cossack squats, like a lateral squat, uh, I'm able to work and stretch some of these ranges of motion as I'm also building some strength uh, or even getting a little bit of a cardiovascular uh, stimulus as well. So it's not like, uh, man, you know, I'm, I just have time to lift weights today. It doesn't look like I'm going to get any stretching in. No, that's not true. Man, if you're doing, like you said, some overhead work, maybe you're doing some overhead presses, some overhead carries, maybe you're doing some, uh, some hanging from a bar. That's strength work, but it's also using your range of motion too. It's almost like you're getting two for one. Now, I'm not going to say it's necessarily always as effective and targeted, but what I try to do with my clients and myself too is I try to write their training in a way that I'm still addressing, improving, or at least maintaining their flexibility and their range of motion if they can't designate some some time specifically to stretching. Now, the other the, the other thing I would tack on to that is the I'm similar to you. Um, I'm limited on time. Um, sometimes other priorities take place if I'm if I can't get that stretching in as as another component. So what I have started to do uh, recently is as a way to kind of get moving in the morning to make myself mentally feel better, especially, but also physically as well is sometimes I'll just do a quick five minutes of stretching, you know, while my wife's getting ready for work or while I'm looking at my email or, you That's know, good. maybe I'm, maybe I'm sitting on my deck and I'm having a little bit of prayer time or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I'll, I'll set a clock for five minutes and just do some stretching or mobility work like that, where it doesn't seem, it doesn't make it such a monumental task. You know, if, if, if you're thinking, Oh, I got to stretch for 15 minutes, and you only do it one out of every five times you're supposed to do it, but you can stretch consistently for five minutes, a couple days a week or whatever fits you and whatever you can get yourself to do. Um, that might be of value to you as well. And I'm not saying that this is the best route or it's the, you know, the most evidence-based route, but I also have learned with working with so many different clients that you have to be realistic. Um, yeah. In a perfect world, uh, you know, five days a week, people do 30 minutes of cardio and 30 minutes of strength training and 15 minutes of stretching. But um, it's just not not always the way it is. So I guess it's trying to check as many boxes as you can while also honoring the realistic expectations for your daily life and schedule and doing as much as you can with the amount of time that you're given. Yeah, that's right, man, because I've got one rule. Because I said I like to, I, I train so that I can hunt. So during hunting season, I don't get to train much because I'm not yeah, going to miss hunting to train. Like, I'm not going to say, right. 
Oh, dude, I can't go out to the evening set. I got a workout to do. Like, no. yeah, yeah. What's I'm the point way. of what's the point of training to hunt if I then don't hunt because I have to train? If you don't hunt, um, sure. So, dude, there's a lot of times where I'm like, you know, I didn't get to it this week, but that's okay. Right. Like, I'm not. It's I'm gonna okay. get to it next week. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not just gonna say, well, I, crap, I missed two days last week, dude. This is a, right. a wash. You know, right. jump back on it and just stay with it as much as you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a question that, you know, I get quite a bit, whether it's a kid or a wife or a, you know, recovering from a surgery or something, what can the person do to build a bigger and better draw cycle? Hmm. Do you want me to answer that from the perspective of coming back from an injury or just in, just in general? Cause those are two uh, different let's, answers. Yeah. Let's, well, let's look at them both, but primarily cool. the, the, I get the majority of the question for kids and wives. Um, wives. you know, I mean, my wife is at 43 pounds. I would love for her to shoot mm -hmm. 50, you know, that type of question. Um, how can I, or, you know, my kid has stalled out on 37, what can I start getting them to do to, to get legal draw weight? Um, so yeah, that's, I shouldn't say, cause I, I don't know that I've ever gotten the question of like, you know, I'm trying to rehab an injury. Um, sure. but I get the question a lot about kids and wives. How can I build a bigger, cool. uh, more yeah, effective we'll, draw cycle? Yeah. We'll focus on that. Uh, cause I think that will probably fit, fit for most people listening and, and uh, most people in general. So when you're, when you're looking at building a bigger, better, stronger draw cycle for anybody, but especially like you said, uh, women and children, this is often a big question. There are, there are three main, no, there are four main factors that are going to help you build that bigger, better draw cycle. Uh, and the first is time and time, patience, uh, especially for a kid, um, because kids will get stronger naturally as they get older. Uh, you know, I, for instance, I'm sitting in uh, my office and uh, I'm looking over at my neighbor's house. He has a 12, 13 year old son. I think he just started bow hunting with a compound bow last year, the year before. And he's right at that legal draw weight, maybe a little bit heavier. He could, pr he could do nothing but shoot his bow for the next five years and he'll be able to go up and draw weight. So th there's going to be three other things I mentioned here um, that will help and will be important. But for kids especially, there is time is just hugely valuable. Be impatient. Let them grow. Let them develop. Um, and time is also going to – time and patience is going to apply to these, these next three things. The second thing is – well, I'll say – yeah, I'll, I'll say the second thing. The second thing is consistency. And that is consistency with shooting your bow. So you're not going to get stronger with shooting your bow, really, if you don't shoot your bow. Now, a kid might just because, they're again, they're just naturally getting stronger as they go through puberty and they get a little bit older. Um, but if you're a full-grown adult and you want to get stronger at shooting your bow, you just have to shoot your bow and you have to do it consistently, right? Um, so th I, this is where I'll throw in that it's there's more value in shooting frequently at low to moderate volume than shooting like huge sessions once or twice a week. Um, that's generally more beneficial for everybody, but especially when you're talking about building strength, I rather have somebody shoot 
four days a week at a moderate arrow volume so that they're getting a nice dose, but it's not too much. Uh, then shoot once a week and shoot a ton of arrows. Um, so consistently shooting, uh, shooting semi-frequently for what your body can handle. You just have to shoot your bow. Now, going off of or the, the first factor, which was time and patience, just be patient. And talking about consistency, let's now apply that to factor number three, uh, which is progressive overload with your bow. Now, progressive overload is a fancy strength training term for just gradually building. And actually what's on the wall behind me is, is part of what I talk about in that video where you want to methodically and gradually increase the challenge of your bow, it meaning your draw weight and, and your arrow volume primarily, but shooting frequency plays in too, where if I'm working with an archer, people are taking this information and applying this uh, without getting too nitty gritty in the details. But let's say, you know, I'm let's say I'm just at I pick up my bow and I've got this desire to increase, increase my draw weight and, and get a bigger, stronger draw. Um, and let's say I pick up my bow and I'm at 40 pounds. Well, maybe this week I shoot uh, three days, 20 arrows at 40 pounds. Next week, I might shoot three days, 30 arrows at 40 pounds. Following week, I might shoot four days a week, stay at 30 arrows but now I've increased a day. And then the next week I'll keep that extra day and shoot four days at 40 arrows. And then, Hey, now I'm ready to increase my draw weight. So I go from 40 to 43, 45. Uh, but I'm going to back down on the volume and frequency. Since I just increased the draw weight, I'm going to drop down a little bit. I'm going to go back to three days, go back to 30 arrows, shoot for a week, feel good there. Bump up one of those variables a little bit keep bumping it up, keep bumping it up. Now I'm ready to increase again. So you kind of see how I'm playing with those, those variables. And that looks different for everybody. I guide people differently on that. But in general, you're progressively building and increasing draw weight, arrow volume, and shooting frequency, not all at once, but again, methodically. So that's ties into your consistency because you need to be consistent doing that to allow that process to work. And you also need to give it time because it's not going to happen in a week or two uh, or overnight. So be patient with it. Look at it, look at it as a long-term goal because strength, building strength just takes time. It doesn't matter if you're a power lifter. It doesn't matter if you're an archer. It doesn't matter if you're a runner wanting to get stronger. Building strength just takes time. Um, the research is very, very clear on that. And there's no way around that. That's just physiological fact. Um, the fourth thing and this is, this is a lot of what I mix in, and that is high-quality, targeted, specific strength training. So there's no substitute for shooting your bow. That is most important, shooting it well, shooting it consistently. But we can add quality, well-rounded strength training to boost that process, to improve that. We can strengthen muscles in different ways. We can strengthen muscles in ways you cannot strengthen them when shooting. We can strengthen them from different angles. We can uh, build up different muscles that that uh, get missed when you shoot your bow so that we're getting more hands on the rope, so to speak, right? Uh, we're utilizing all the muscles that can help us with that draw cycle. So that high quality targeted specific strength training is uh, a lot of what I'll use and, and apply to archers too. Um, as Again, supplemental, it's, it's an accessory. It's meant to support and uplift. It's not a substitute for shooting. That's why I left it to, to number four. Uh, but it is a great, great supplement that will help you with know, that process. 
I started off this question in a poor way because I, I want to go back. Okay. I said bigger and better. Bigger is not always better, like we talked about no. earlier. No. If you know, if my wife is shooting great at, at 47 pounds mm-hmm. and she can shoot a long time and she can enjoy shooting and she can, you know, practice perfect form and she can place the arrows, you know, stacking them in there. Right. I don't I don't have to get her to fifty three. You know, I don't have no. to move her up and start no, breaking don't. down her, her draw cycle just so I can get her up there. Um right. so at, there comes a point where you just have to say, you know, I perfect example. <clears throat> I currently right now I'm shooting a fifty pound recurve. Mm-hmm. I could take it to fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven, fifty eight. I could. Yeah. However, my form is gonna start being sacrificed. My yep. longevity is I won't be able to shoot as many arrows a day. I won't be able to shoot as as long in a day. I won't be able to, I mean, you name it. When it's cold out and I'm hunting, I won't be able to draw it as easy and as smooth. So there yeah. comes a point where you just have to say, you know, I don't need to focus on building a, a bigger draw cycle. Now I just need to Agreed. focus on building a better draw cycle. So there are, Agreed. there are bigger draw cycles and there are better draw cycles and sometimes bigger is better. Sure. I mean, if a kid is shooting 37 and legal is 40, then yeah, bigger is better. So they can actually start hunting. But I did, I didn't want to just say, you know, for the guy listening thinking, well, I'm shooting 74. I don't need to start no. building a bigger one. No, nope. You're no. good. Um, so I just wanted no. to make that note. Um, yeah, that goes back into what we talked. I mentioned earlier in this conversation was knowing your limits. Um, yeah knowing your limits where, Hey, if you're comfortable at the draw weight you're at, you're feeling good. And that draw weight suits your needs and serves your goals. Well, uh, then you're in a great place. There's no reason to increase. Uh, right now my recurve is at 50 pounds as well. And my compounds at 68, I believe I have no desire or intentions to really ever go above that. Um, personally, I, I don't see any reason I would ever need to, to do that. And, um, and in my opinion, from what I've seen, uh, from, from working with different people, when you get above 70 pounds of the compound and you get above 50 pounds of the recurve, you're starting to increase your risk of developing a, developing a problem in the future. Um, and I'm not saying you're going to develop a problem by any means. It's not bad to shoot more than those weights, but that, is what I see as kind of the tipping point where you have to ask yourself, you know, going above those numbers is, is slowly going to start to add to the increase of when you're 50, 60, 70 years old, having a potential problem. So, you know, that's where you, you again, ask yourself, what are my limits? What are my goals? Does this serve me? Well, does this, does this fit for what I need to do? So that's, yeah, that's a good note absolutely. that you made. And what's, what's better to be able to stack arrows in with a 43-pound recurve, stacking them right where you need to hit the deer, or trying to shoot 50 and you get shaky and your your yeah. form starts breaking down and you're not as accurate anymore. You know, Definitely. Fred Eichler shoots everything in North America with a 43-pound recurve, so it works. Yeah. Um, sure. So sure. You just have to ask yourself, like, what's bit more beneficial? To be able to sit there and stack arrows in, you know, say at 70 yards with a 68-pound recurve, or to crank it to 74 and then you start getting sporadic and you start getting sore and more tired. And, um, right. so it's becomes pretty clear which one's more, um, the better advantage. So 
Christian, where can they it. find more about Archery Strong? If they want to, they need help. They got a problem. They, you know, their shoulders are causing issues or they want a workout program or they want, you know, to work with you on a rehab issue. Sure. How can they find, how can they find everything about Archery Strong? Yeah. The best place to find more information and contact me is archerystrong.com. Uh, exactly as it sounds, archystrong.com. And then uh, primarily the places where I'm putting out information are Instagram and YouTube. Both are archerystrong uh, there as well. So uh, my main goal is is education, is providing valuable resources. Uh, I, I'll be very clear. I'm not here to look cool. I'm not here to, you know, to grab a lot of eyes. I just want to help and assist the people who need help or, uh, or find value in what I'm trying to do. So, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Don't hesitate to, to search for more if you're interested. Guys, there's not many things that I'm going to tell you to stop and do right now. One of those things is to stop and go join Pope and Young right now. It's 45 bucks for the entire year to be a member of Pope and Young. And what that does for you is that helps to ensure your rights as a bow hunter. Pope and Young is constantly fighting for your rights as a bow hunter. They are the national bow hunting organization in North America. They exist to protect your rights as a bow hunter. They are all the time going before state legislators uh, to fight for your rights and to continue protecting your rights as a bow hunter. The record book exists in the first place because somewhere between us and the Indians, people had lost sight that bow hunting was a lethal way of harvesting big game. And so Glenn St. Charles and his group of cohorts, they started the record book so they could take it to different states and show that bow hunting is, in fact, a, a ethical way of harvesting big game. So guys, don't get caught in, in, in Pope and Young only being a record book. They are your voice for bow hunters, and there's power in numbers. So I would highly encourage you to join today because we need to stand together to protect our rights. Also, what you might not know is if you've bought a bear bow, you can go and register that bow, and you're actually going to get a free Pope and Young membership. Bear Archery is such a believer in the mission of Pope and Young and what they stand for and what they do to protect our rights that they are going to buy your first year's membership. So if you've bought a bow, go online and register that bow, and you're going to get a free year's membership to Pope and Young. But guys, I would encourage you, stop right here right now and go join Pope and Young because we have to protect our rights as bow hunters. Guys, if you're not following Archery Strong, there's something wrong with you in the head. Um, so head over and follow Archery Strong on Instagram, YouTube. Check out his website. Um, he puts out phenomenal content. Don't let him downplay that. Um, he puts out incredibly well-informed content. You know, it's not content that you're like, well, is that is that accurate? Um, he puts out very informed, uh, very professional content that will help you build bigger draw cycles, better draw cycles, healthier draw cycles, better workout programs, all of it. So go check out Archery Strong on social media. But guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a fantastic week.